Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 9 and we'll read just a couple verses and I'll let you sit down. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 35. Matthew 9, 35. Uh, I want to be as transparent. Brother Melvin, how you doing? Miss Vonda, good to see you guys. That's, they, they are in town with us. All right. Hey, let's let them know we're glad the hunters are with us this morning. Amen. Uh, I, I want to be as transparent as possible. Uh, I'm a, I, here, here, here's today. This is what today's all about. Uh, last week, last week we were talking about the, the importance of sharing your faith and, and uh, uh, not getting so caught up with our own agenda uh, that we fail to see the opportunities around us and the loss that are around us. And, uh, you know, during the invitation, I asked for you to come and pray for those that, uh, uh, that were lost, that you knew that were lost. And, and, you know, I gotta be honest with you. I gotta be honest with you. I was a little frustrated, uh, at the lack of people coming to pray. And, and so all week long, I was, I was working on something to straighten y'all out. And, and, and the more I studied, the more I studied, it, it, God kind of straightened me out. And before you get all excited about that, you're not off the hook yet. Uh, but God did show me something about this deal. I, I love it. I love it when God opens my eyes to something that I hadn't seen before or either that I hadn't seen before or I wasn't paying attention to. And it was really, someone asked me, do you got a good one today, preacher? I said, I don't know if it's a good one, but it's always an eye opener, amen. So I, wanna, I want you to really, really listen today. Uh, God cares about the harvest. He cares about the souls of men. And we're going to see that here in this chapter. So Matthew chapter 9, in verse number 35. It says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every, how many of them? Every sickness and every disease among the people. But, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into whose harvest? His harvest. His harvest. Let Let me read that again. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for conviction. Lord, thank you for instruction. Thank you for your word that, that so... Uh, sometimes delicately and sometimes brutally opens our eyes to truth. And Father, I pray today that you will just reveal yourself to us. Father, I pray that you'll open our eyes to truth. I pray that you will encourage us today. 
Lord, we've got overwhelming needs in our community. We have overwhelming needs in our nation. We have overwhelming needs in this world. All of this thing is coming to a close. God, we've got responsibilities and we've got callings and commissions that you've given us. And God, I pray that you'll help us fulfill those commissions and those responsibilities. But God, I pray that you'll teach us something today that's going to help us with those callings. And God, I'll praise you and thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for straightening me out. Lord, I thank you for showing me what I'm supposed to be doing. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to every person in this room. I pray that your will be done more than anything. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. God will be careful to give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. In this particular portion of scripture, uh, I went to it primarily because of the verse that says, He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. That means he felt it all the way down into his gut. It means a stomach yearning. Is is there any time in your life that something bothered you so much it just felt on the inside? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? It was such a burden. It was such a heaviness on you that it bothered you in your bowels. That's what this means, to yearn in the bowels. And, and there's probably, in all of the scripture, there's probably no other verse that talks about having a burden like this verse. And obviously, we are Christians, and Christian means what? Christ-like, that we're supposed to be like Christ. So uh, last week, last Sunday, and I'm telling you, I'm a, I, y- y'all got the most transparent preacher in America. I've, I confess all my sins to y'all. I was, I was, I was frustrated and I'm like, we need a burden. We need to care about lost people. We need to care about our friends and our, our family. They're going to hell. Don't we care enough to pray for them? And so I went to this verse. I figured, Hey, this is a great verse to preach. This is a great verse to teach. And I was really trying to hone in on that yearning and, and how we can have that burden and how we can have that brokenness that we see in Jesus right here. And, and, and day after day, listen, hour after hour, moment after moment, every time, listen, I just could not get anywhere. And I know, I know that when I'm not getting anywhere, that that's not what God wants me to do, but I'm stubborn. And I'm going to straighten y'all out. So I just kept on and kept on and kept on. I mean, it took me to yesterday morning to get so frustrated and say, okay, God, I know what I want to say, but what do you want to say? And then he told me. And I said, okay. You see, here's, here's what we see. This particular set of verses, this particular set of verses is a transition. Up into this chapter right here, Jesus has been doing all of the teaching. He's been doing all of the preaching. He's been doing all of the healing. He's been doing all of the ministry, if you will. 
But now it's transitioning into his disciples because if you go into the very next chapter, you'll find out that Jesus sends the 12 out to do what he's been doing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. He sends them out to teach. He sends them out to preach. He sends them out to heal. He sends them out to cast out demons. He sends them out to raise the dead. And so here we find in this transitional verse that God shows us something very, very importantly. And, and, and by the way, by the way, uh, in, in my soap studies uh, in throughout the book of Acts where we're going with D&D, it, it, it seems like God is, is constantly showing me, make it about Jesus. Take every opportunity to point people to Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And in, in, in these verses, there's several things, but in just a way of the intro, this probably don't have nothing to do with the sermon, but I want you to see it, all right? In, in this particular verse 35, we see the deity of Jesus. We see the deity of Jesus. We see his God power, right? He's healing every disease. He's healing every sickness. He's going around. I mean, he's doing things that only God can do. So we see his deity. But then in verse 36, we see his humanity. As God, he's healing this disease. He's speaking power over people. He's casting out demons. But now we see in verse 36, watch what it says. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. In other words, it bothered him. We see his humanity. We see he is now relating to us. We, we see he is now being that great high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is feeling what we feel. He sees the burden that we have. He cares about what somebody say, amen. And so in verse 35, we see his deity. Verse 36, we see his humanity. In verse 35, he is mending and he's ministering to their physical needs, their physical needs. But in in verse 36, he's ministering and he's caring about their spiritual needs. Are y'all seeing that? You see, he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And the shepherd was the spiritual leaders of that day. The spiritual leaders of that day had let down the flock. They were not providing like they should have been. They were not protecting like they should have been. They were not guiding like they should have been. They were not leading like they should have been. They were not teaching like they should have been. They put burdens and and problems on the people instead of leading them to green pastures and beside still water. Somebody say amen. And because of the, the shepherds dropping the ball, they were spiritually lost and Jesus saw their lostness. And listen, Jesus cares about your sickness. He cares about your disease. He cares about your physical ailments. He cares about your physical problems. But he sees something that's bigger. He sees something that's deeper. That your spiritual problem is more a burden than your physical problem. And he cares about the spirit. He cares about their lostness. And when he saw their lostness, when he saw where they were spiritually, it made him groan on the inside. It made his bowels to yearn and it bothered him and he was moved with compassion on them. And then we see the message. We see the message. Here in the next verse, verse 37 
I want you to see the reality. The reality. He looks at the disciples. He looks at the disciples. And he confronts them with the reality that we see. He sees, look at verse 36 says, when he saw the, come on everybody, I ain't even got on it yet, come on. But when he saw the multitudes. Now watch this, here's what you got to see. Here's what you got to see. He is ministering in Galilee. All right, Galilee was one of the most populated areas because of the fertility of the ground. Josephus said almost the entire area was farmed and cultivated because the ground was so fertile. And there was up to, up to 200 cities and villages. And it says Jesus was going to all the cities and villages, up to 200 cities and villages with up to 3 million people in this small. This, watch this. Galilee is a third of Israel, you'll see the top, you know, you have Galilee, Samaria, and then Judea. It's the top part. It's the third. And, and Israel is only the size of New Jersey. You got 3 million people in this area. Some of these villages, you know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we, 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 in my mind, I think a village, you know, a couple hundred people, but we're looking like 15,000 people in a, in a small village. This was a populated area. This was a, a, a throng of humanity. And Jesus is seeing this crowd. And he says, look at the need. The need is great. Look at the need. He's one person teaching. He's one person healing. He's one person reaching. He's one person ministering. And Jesus sees the crowd. He sees the great need. He sees the people. Now watch this. In Jesus' day, in that time, the world population was 300 million. And he's ministering at about 1% of it, 3 million there. And he says, look at the multitude. Look at the multitude. Ladies and gentlemen, we are sitting at 8 billion people right now. If the need was great then. Are y'all seeing this? So the need is great. Turn on your TV, look at, look at the, the mass of humanity. You look at the cities, look at Mexico City. I went to Mexico City. I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, I've never seen so many people in all my born days. I'm talking about people upon people upon people upon waves of humanity. It was very peopley. Say amen. Go to Seoul, Korea. Go to, listen, some of these large, large cities. Uh, listen, I, you, I'm about ready to go to Moulton. I drove into town. I drove into town yesterday on a Saturday. And I'm telling you what, it was crazy. Do I have a witness in the house? The need is great. But then he said this, look at the, look at the, the, the field. The harvest is plenteous. That's what he said. It's plenteous. But then watch this. But. What? What did he say? Come on, everybody. You got quiet on me. But the. You see, the need is great. But the neglect is greater. The neglect is greater. What are you saying? Where's the shepherds? They were scattered Abroad as sheep having no 
There is humanity. There is people stacked upon people. There are souls. There are burdens. There are people who are, listen, they're going to go to one or two places. They're going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. Where are the people to tell them that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? Where are the laborers who's willing to go say, Jesus loves you? This I know for my Bible tells me so. The neglect was horrible. As great as the need was, the neglect was greater than the need. My house is full, but my fields are empty. The, the, the fields are wide unto harvest. What did Jesus say to the disciples when at John chapter number four, after the woman at the well, say not ye there are four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They are wide already to harvest. The need is so great. We think because we live in Coleman, world record number of churches. There was one thing I saw when I moved to Coleman that we we did not have a lack of. Car lots, banks, and churches. I had never seen so many of them three in all my life. But we have this idea with all this, we must be a holy town. Hello. A dear friend of mine, a dear friend of mine did a survey, did a survey of all the churches in Coleman. And he called and asked, he said, he said, what is your, your, the, the, the ability that you have to seat people? In other words, your seating capacity. How many can you seat and how many are you running? In other words, how many are attending? How many are you seating? How many can you seat? And how many, what do you think is the percentage of the seating capacity we're using up in the churches here in Coleman? And this is counting, this is counting the big ones. This is counting the ones that have a bunch of people like Temple. Less than 25% of all of the churches in Coleman We're using less than 25% capacity of the church seats in Coleman. Less than 25% of the churches have people in them here in Coleman. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we've got 80,000 people here in Coleman and we're using less than 25% capacity of all of the churches that are here in Coleman. How many of y'all would agree with me that there is a great need? But how many are going? How many are sharing? How many are telling? How many laborers do we have that are willing to go into the field? I, I, I look, does anybody old enough and y'all remember the, the song uh, uh, that my fields or my house is full, but my fields are empty? We used to sing that in church growing up. I was growing old time church and man, they used to sing that. Look it up, Google it. I almost put it on here so we could listen to all of it, but it's sad and it brought me down. But it talks about there's there's laughter in the house. People love sitting around God's table. They love coming and hearing and sing. We had a sing last night. Man, it was great. We were singing and shouting and, and enjoying the, and, and we love to come in here and we love to enjoy it and, and we love to be around God's presence and we love to, but are we working in his field? And so this is 
reality. This is reality. Now, I know what you're thinking. So far, preacher, you ain't showed us where God straightened you out yet. Because this is kind of the same message you gave us last week. I know. Here's where God straightened me out. You see, because I I was focused on the great need. I was focused on the greater neglect. It made me frustrated. When I see souls going to hell, I get frustrated. When I see what's happening in the American educational system. This this trans movement that's just sweeping our country. This anti-God, anti-Christ spirit. I get frustrated. When I see the lack of laborers in the field and I see an apathy among God's people, I get frustrated. And I want to fix it. And I go beyond wanting to fix it to I want to fix everybody. I want to straighten you out. I'm I'm just being transparent. I'm just telling you how I felt. But this is what God said. God had to straighten me out. Now watch this. Watch this. He says, look. This is Jesus speaking. Look. Open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are wide unto harvest. Look at the fields. There's the harvest is plenteous. The, the, the need is so great. Look at the neglect. Look at the empty fields. There's no laborers. There's no shepherds. What is now here? If, if I was Jesus, Jesus, let me handle this. All right, guys, let's tighten up here. You heard what he said. You see the problem? Let's get to it. Straighten your act up. What's wrong with you? Can't you see the problem? Can't you see the need? Can't you see? Listen, we got a work to do. God has caught. Hey. But that's not what he did. He didn't say, hey, y'all need to get busy. He didn't say, what's your problem? Y'all need to tighten up. He didn't say none of that. And I was wondering why. God, how are we going to get them to, if we don't. This is what he said. When you see the great need. And you see the greater neglect. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to. What's the next verse? Say it. Say it. Pray. Pray. That's all. Lord, can't we just chew them out a little bit? Can't we like, can't can't we just, you know, kind of find a good illustration that makes them feel guilty? Can't we throw a little guilt trip on them? No. He said, I want you to pray. Now, 
I know I should be more spiritual. I know that. But I'm stubborn. And I can't help it. But you better be glad of that. That's why I'm still here. I said, what's the point? And this is what he showed me. This is where he straightened me out. First of all, A, what does praying do? When we pray, we recognize our what? We recognize our inability. John 15, 5. Watch this now. Let me go back to the verse. He shows a great need. Would y'all agree with that? Verse 37. The harvest truly is. Now that's a great need. Amen. But the laborers are. That's a great neglect. Can we agree with that? Now when we see the great need. And we see the great neglect. In other words, we got a great problem. He says, pray ye. What's the next word? Now, the therefore is not what's coming after. It's what you just read. Now watch, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. This is going to help you. Even if it's not about soul winning or that kind of thing. How many of you, how many of you in life, you see a great problem? Whether it's finances whether it's a physical ailment. I, I just, I saw a video this morning of a pastor friend of mine from Chattanooga. His grandson, his baby, baby grandson is having brain surgery this morning. Children right now, as we speak, they're in brain surgery right now. I'm going to tell you what, that's frustrating. And how many of you had issues going on in your life and, and problems, a great need, a great neglect, a great issue, a great problem, a great, there's something going on that's really in your life and you get frustrated. You get frustrated because it's not going the way you want it to go. You get frustrated because things are not falling into place like you would like it. You get frustrated because you've got pain in your life. A a tragedy has taken place. Things you don't understand and you get frustrated. Well, Jesus is saying when there is something going on that is frustrating, when there is something going on that Jesus said will bring a burden, a a yearning in your bowels, a, a pain on the inside. He says, because of that, therefore, pray, pray, don't whine, pray, don't try to fix it yourself. Pray. Don't try to do it on your own. Pray. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. And as I sat in my office, I sat behind my desk and I read this. Jesus said, you can throw every guilt trip you want. You can try to bribe them. You can try to beg them. You can try to guilt them, but you're not going to be able to do it. You don't have what it takes to be able to do it. You can't do it on your own. You need me. And I'm going to tell you, 
God showed me this week that there's going to be problems in your life. There's going to be needs in your life. There's going to be burdens that you face in your life that you're going to try to do it on your own. You're going to try to fix it on your own. You're going to try to solve it on your own. You're going to try to get through it on your own. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you right now, Jesus sent me this morning to tell you, stop what you're doing. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to fix it and pray. Because he's the only one that can change it. He's the only one that can solve it. He's the only one. Why do you think Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of my coming? Talking about the Holy Spirit. Because this thing that I've called you to, this church building agenda, it cannot be done in human power. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnessing me in Judea, Samaria, and listen, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And God told me, listen, stop whining, stop trying to fix it and pray. Pray. We need to realize our inability. Now I'm going to tell you what, here's my Here's my typical response to issues. I try everything I can to fix it. I do everything I can on my own. And then we, how many of y'all do this? And well, all we can do now is. How stupid is that? That's what we should have done first. But you know, we don't. We push ourselves to the limit, to the very edge of frustration and quitting to the point where, and then now we turn to God. And God's been, go ahead. God, I'm trying. How's that working out for you? God, why do I need to pray? So you can recognize your inability. You can't do this. You can't fix them people. You can't make them have a burden. And he even said this. As a matter of fact, don't, boy, God, a matters of fact, you, it's just serious. Malcolm, as a matter of fact, that ain't your job. He even corrected me with some, some other stuff. Stuff we've been preaching and dealing with and seeing people that's not being obedient to scripture. That's frustrating too. And I'm like, God said, I didn't call you to police. I called you to preach. You preach and I'll do the policing. Okay. Amen. Pray. Pray. See, prayer gives us the ability to recognize I can't do this. Now watch this. When we don't pray, you know what we're saying when we don't pray? I got this. I don't need you, Lord. I got this. And you know what? When we don't pray, we're telling God I got this. And you know what? God will let you got this. 
and you'll find out you don't want what you got. You got what you want, but then you don't want what you got. Amen. Now watch what else. Watch what else we see. Recognize our inability. Remember, this is good, Lord Jesus. Watch this, what it says. Pray ye therefore, the Lord, say it with me, the Lord of the heart. The word Lord means supreme in authority, means controller. In other words, the boss, the, <laughs> the boss of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into you know what God showed me this week? The harvest ain't mine. Some of y'all get that in just a minute. I'm all tore up and frustrated about this harvest thing. And God is saying, look, it's not yours. I don't want you to get frustrated. I want you to pray. I don't want you to get bent out of shape over the great need, over the great neglect, because first of all, you can't do anything about it to begin with. And second of all, it don't belong to you. Listen, you may may save y'all a lot of drama and headache. Learn to mind your own business. Well, <laughs> learn, just, just learn to mind your own business. You, say, well, you need to be preaching the Bible. Okay. Does it not say in Proverbs that a man that messes with strife not belonging to him is as one that taketh a dog by the ears? Now I know what you're thinking. What does that mean? You ever grabbed a dog by the ears? You got him. Now what you going to do with him? Because he's going to eat you alive when you cut him loose. Hello? This is hard to learn. One of the hardest things I've learned is when people post stupid things on Facebook to realize I don't need to respond to that. I can't tell you how many things I've deleted. I, I, that's the dumbest thing. Let me. How could anybody be so stupid? Let me, let me. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, hey. But you know what it did? It saved me from a bunch of drama. I learned from my great philosophical brother. A mind changed against his will is of the same opinion still. Well, I told him, preacher, did you? Jesus is saying here, that's my problem. You may tell you where a lot of your frustration is going to come from, ladies and gentlemen, when you're worrying about something that's not your business. You know what? God showed me, y'all don't belong to me. 
The harvest is not mine. These souls out here, they're not mine. They, they belong to God. They're his. This church is not mine. You people are not mine. I, I, I don't have to straighten you out. Because you're not mine. Listen, when, you, when, you're in a, when you're in a restaurant and you've got little kids... And I attribute this all to Tammy. I mean, Tammy did way better than me. I mean, she had our, our youngest. They, they'd line up. I'd line up sometimes. She scared me, Brother Mickle. And then you go in a restaurant, and these kids are acting just stoned. They're just crazy. They're all over the place, bouncing off. Hey, these are mine. I ain't got to worry about all them. These are mine. And here's, here's what God is saying. You belong to me, Jesus. Not, not me, me, Jesus saying, this church is mine, these people are mine, that harvest is mine. And when you stop whining just a little bit and start praying, you'll recognize all this is solely up to me. And I'm going to tell you, do you know how much frustration and, and, and stress that took off of me? I'm, I'm just telling you this. I know this sounds like I'm telling on myself the whole sermon, but I'm, I want you to learn from my mistake. Because some of you guys are going through so much drama that's not even yours. Let it go. Let, let, let God handle them things. You just mind your own business. That's right. That's Jesus said, you do the preaching, I'll do the policing. Yes. If they don't do what you're preaching and you're preaching the word, that's on them and me. You just preach the word and be faithful. Right. Amen. Okay. I said, God, you got to give me a little something. I mean, you beat me up this whole sermon. See, see, y'all, I always hear this junk. I always hear this, this junk. Oh, preacher got on our toes this week. Oh, preacher, I had to wear steel toe boots this Sunday. My soul. <laughs> Little do you know, I got to hear it all week long, and then I got to tell it twice. So I'm getting it three times. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Brother Melvin, do I have a witness right there? I said, Lord, okay, first of all, I know I can't do this. I, ha I don't have the ability to meet the great need or to fix the great neglect. Okay, check. Number two, this is your business. This is your responsibility. You own the harvest. You own the church. These people belong to you. I'm not the chief shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. And so God, I recognize that and I'm going to pray. But can you give me just a little something? He said, yeah. Now it's y'all's. Look at this last one. What was A? What was the word we use? Recognize. Look at B. What's the word? Remember. Then C, request. Request. 
Watch this. Here's what he said to pray for. First, he says, pray. That, that gives us the ability to realize that, that, that we don't have what it takes to get the job done. Then it praying, we, we remember that this all belongs to him. He's the Lord. He's the controller. He's the boss. It is his harvest. But then so he says, this is what I want you to pray for. Pray to the Lord, the owner, the controller, the authority of the harvest, that he will, what's the next two words? Say it again. Say it again. Watch this. This is so good. I was so glad when he gave me this one. Send forth. He says, son, I want you to quit worrying about a guilt trip. I want you to quit trying to bribe, beg, plead, guilt, put a sad sob story on them to make them feel bad to do this. And just pray to me that I will send forth laborers into the harvest that belongs to me. I said, okay. The word send forth is the word eject. Eject. I know you don't get it yet. Eject. How many of y'all have ever heard of an ejection seat? Uh, do they have that picture? I said I wasn't going to use it, but I think I might. Do they have that picture? Pastor Newberg installed an altar call ejection seats. <laughs> Believing if we do our part, God will do his. So this week I had installed. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, do you know this? Oh, now, now, take it down. They're laughing still. Take it down. I got to get serious. This is serious, serious, serious. Get serious a minute. Do you realize that when they, they designed the first jet fighters, when they went from the propellers to the jet fighters, that they had to redesign the ejection seats because the jets were going so fast. That when the ejection sheet shot the, the pilot out, that the pilot had a tendency to have a death grip on the seat and the, the parachute would get trapped between the, the seat and the pilot. So they had to do something because the pilot wouldn't let go. They designed a strap that would snatch him out the seat. Are y'all with me? Because he just had a death grip on it. Now, how do you apply that, preacher? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is where it gets so good. I'm not going to whine anymore. I'm not going to complain anymore. I'm not going to try to guilt trip you anymore. I'm going to pray that God ejects you out of your seat. I'm going to pray that God will stir a fire under you that you can't help it. That God, the owner of the harvest, will take his own people and eject them out of their, listen, apathy. Eject them out of their laziness. Eject them out of their comfort zone and get out into the harvest and start reaping the harvest that's ready.
Give him praise and glory in his house. So here's what I want you to do. Here's the application. Pray. Say it with me. When you get frustrated, I want you to. When you see a need, I want you to. When you see something that's overwhelming and burdening you, I want you to. Because then you will recognize that he is the answer to every problem. He is the answer to your struggle. He is the answer to your burden. He is the problem solver. And I'm not just talking about the harvest. I'm talking about life in general. Pray, pray, pray. Go to God and say, God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to help me. God, I need you to move on my behalf. Help me, Lord. And I promise you, he'll answer prayer. Yes, he will. He'll move. Pray. Now watch this. Who's he talking to? Oh, we're out of time, but I'm going to finish Who's he talking to in this chapter? The disciples, specifically those 12. He says, pray. Pray ye that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into his harvest. Right? Do you know what happens in the next chapter? So here the disciples are praying. Lord, will you send somebody into the harvest? Very next chapter, chapter 10. The Lord of the harvest sent them into the harvest. Preacher, what what are you trying to get at right here? Don't be surprised when you become the answer to your own prayer. Now, how many of y'all, how many of y'all want me to stop the guilt trip? Don't lie. Don't even lie. People been a poor preacher. You've been rough on us lately. You, you, and, you and Andrew both tag teaming. So don't lie. How many of y'all want? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, then here's what I want you to do. If you want me to stop that. How many of y'all help me pray? Pray. Lord, send somebody out there. We all raised our hand last week. Stand up so you know I'm serious. Stand up. They're getting nervous back there. Stand up. How many of y'all, let's do this again. How many of y'all have someone you know, family member, acquaintance, loved one, friend, that's lost? Raise your hand. Okay, here's what I want your prayer to be. I'm I'm not even saying come up here. But how many of y'all will join me and say, Lord Will you send someone to them? Say it with me. Lord, will you? That's what it means to pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into the harvest. That's what that means. Lord, send someone to my Uncle Johnny. Lord, send someone to my, excuse me, my Uncle Henry. Don't pray. Don't pray anymore. God, save the lost. That's so generic. There ain't nothing behind that. Can, can y'all see the difference in this? Lord, save the lost, and Lord, save my Uncle Henry. See how real that gets? I want y'all to pray. No more guilt trips. No more sob stories. No more sad illustrations. I'm not going to police you, but I'm going to pray for an ejection seat. 
I'm going to pray that the Lord of the harvest, the word send forth means to eject or to thrust forth. That means, <laughs> ready or not. So just get ready. Y'all asked for it. Y'all didn't want no more sob stories. We'll get mm-hmm. Be ready to get ejected into his harvest. And all God's people see it.